755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome back. 755 is real. Sorry we're a little late, folks. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you're on watching us on YouTube, give us good ratings and all that. And check our sponsors. Eric, I don't know if you watched the game on uh, Wednesday against the Red Sox, but it was the Braves' first walk-off of the year. And we got so used to those that it seemed like it was just the de rigueur and it was what the Braves were going to do. I mean, because they had so many walk-offs or last-at-bat wins or comebacks. So to see them do it, it reminded you that it's been a while since they did it. Um, What can that do? Orlando Arcia hit a two-run walk-off like that. What can that do for a team, especially going into that off day, salvaging a split with the Red Sox? I mean, it, it, the guys said that maybe this would be something that, you know, that could really get everybody going. I kind of hate when it comes before an off day. You know, because it, it's almost like off days seem to always reset a lot right. of things. You right. know, like you're in a slump, you get an off day. It's like, all right, you forget about everything and move on. I always like when you get a big win to play the next day. Yeah. Um, but regardless, you know, this team needs to start winning games late. That's that's kind of what they've been known for. And Anytime you get a walk off, you know, even just the celebration itself is just so fun for the team. And yeah, what I love about it though is it's a the guy that hit it is one of the guys that you're gonna have to answer questions why they're on the team or what what's this guy doing. Yeah. You know, when when the when the guys that are on the bottom of the roster start contributing and getting big hits, and those are guys that your teammates are rooting for because they see him putting in the yeah. work. All year long, right? And and you, you know, even even if you're not paying attention to stuff as a player, you still hear the comments or or hear certain reporters asking questions of this guy's roster spot, that guy's roster spot. What are you going to do um, if guys are earning their roster spot? And when a guy does that, that's been you know, I mean, he hadn't even hit in what a week. Yeah, it gets three hits with a walk off. You know, you, you can't be happier than you are for that teammate. And it's like, it's like its own special celebration just for that guy's career and what that meant right. to him. Um, I just thought it was a really cool moment. Yeah. You mentioned not only was it his first, uh, their first walk off win or their first win in their final at bat. Cause they were really, that was becoming their MO under Snit mm-hmm. was to come back and win in your final at bat. Now, what that means, because some people think that final at bat means winning on a walk-off. No, winning your final at bat can be you score the winning run in the top of the ninth mm-hmm. if you're on the road or in the bottom of the ninth if you're at home. Or you score the winning run in the bottom of the eighth at home and the other team doesn't score yeah. in the top of the ninth. So that's Last your final you hit, at bat. Go ahead. Right, yeah. right. So that's what that is. That's the first walk. That's their first uh win in their final at bat this year. And they were that was becoming the norm for these guys, it felt like, you know, for about three or four yeah. years. Uh, it was also just the third time in 19 games this year the Braves won after their opponent scored first in a game. They Gosh. could score one run in the first inning. The Braves had only won twice in 18 games in those, which is kind of, uh, conversely, they had won, they were they are 12 and one when they score first. So, I mean, that's the other side of that, but. It's kind of bad when the die is set in the first inning if a team scores a run. You know, you have like no games where you could even think of you came back during the year. So maybe that's good. They start to get things turned around in that regard. But I think that that's kind of been a luxury this team's had is when you're getting those comeback wins all the time. Yeah. There's no pressure early. Right. Because yeah. you're just thinking, well, you know, we're, we all step up. It's what we do. You know, you have a bad at bat in the third. It's OK. You put it behind you. But when you're not making those comebacks, then you start pressing earlier and earlier in the game. And, you know, anytime in baseball that you're pressing, things don't usually go well. So I think it's good. You know, that's when things turned around last year is that when they started making those big late wins, like that comeback in St. Louis, things like that happen, takes the pressure off the offense. Then you get bases loaded in the fourth inning and you come up and you don't feel like you have to be a hero or do anything special. You know, it's like if I don't get a knock here, the next guy will. And if we don't do it this inning, we're doing it the next inning. But it, it gets harder and harder to have that mindset when you don't when you keep coming up short, you know. So that yeah. pressure builds. So I think any time they get these late wins, um, they kind of just build the momentum, and and it'll take pressure off the offense. They trailed three zero going in the bottom of the third inning Wednesday, and then the Braves got three runs in that third inning on a Matt Olson RBI double off the wall, yep. and that was after a two run homer by Travis Demerit. Demerit has really been a big story early in the season, or it's only been the last three weeks, I think. But uh, this is a guy that's, uh, you know, he's a former top prospect. 
and really had become a young journeyman in that he's bounced around, you know, from AAA to the majors, but then to Detroit gets, gets traded, gets picked up on waivers. I mean, all signs were pointing to this guy being a journeyman at the age of 27, but he's kind of playing right now. Like he might be able to carve out a spot on the, with the Braves, even if it's a, as a fourth outfielder, that kind of thing. He's not great in the field, but he's made a couple of nice plays in the field. He gets bad jumps and makes up for him with athleticism, but he's really hit. He's got some big hits. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is kind of the, what happens in a guy's career if you don't come up because he was a prospect, Yeah, but he didn't come up and, and hit right away. He didn't come up and play well right away. Um, you know, it's it's why it's why there's so much pressure on guys not to get sent back to AAA, and, and why it's so important for them to to do well immediately and not ride that bus. Because every time you jump on that thing and go up and down, you're wondering if this is going to be my last chance. Or you come up and you're wondering if if you know if I have a bad week or here or there, you yeah. know, am I am I getting sent down again? Because it it's always in the back of your head at least until you get to arbitration. So, you know, luckily for him, he came up and got off to a good start. And and that good start by itself might give him the confidence and take enough pressure off where he can actually ride this into a career at this point. Because it's not like he didn't have the talent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, through all that failure and through all dealing with a lot of different coaches at, you know, AAA with the Braves, majors with the Braves. Uh, but before that, AAA and majors with the Tigers. You run across a lot of guys. I mean, you run across Miggy Cabrera when you're playing with the Tigers. I mean, you run across a lot of guys, and somewhere on the line you've talked about one guy might say something, but he's one made thing. some adjustments, and he's hitting. He didn't hit like this in the past. If you look at his numbers, he was a big strikeout guy who, who did not hit for a high average in the majors at all in his limited time. But he really looks to me, I mean, what he's doing in the box this, this year does not look fluky to me at all. No, I mean, that ball he hit the other day was, was stroked. Yeah. Have you asked him about that? You know, kind of what clicked or what he feels like is different. Well, he's been he spoke about it in general terms that he's made some adjustments in his approach and and uh, in the box, but uh, he didn't talk any specifics really. But he's learned a lot of you know over the years of failing and getting sent right. down and all that, and talking to different coaches. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's killed it in Triple A, you know. So th- this is the first time he's really been able to apply it though in the big leagues and have that same kind of success. So. Good for him. He's a good dude. He's yeah. from and he's from here. He's from the area. Yeah. So he's, he's got a lot of fans down here. So we'll see. But uh he's getting a chance to play a lot because the injuries, you know, Eddie Rosario is not going to be back for another couple of months. So he's he's gonna get a lot of chance to play and the trade deadline's not till you know July. So not looking for any significant outfielders to be moved for that. And if he keeps hitting like this, there's no uh real uh urgency for the Braves to make a move uh, in, in the outfield. Plus they don't want to do that because they got you know, Drew Waters knocking at the door if he can stay healthy. And then behind him, Michael Harris is in double A and he's only a phone call away. He could go to triple A and get called up at some point if they need him. So, you know, they want to go out and spend a lot of money on, a, on another outfielder, especially one that's uh, signed beyond this year. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just huge that, that Travis has played like that because it doesn't put them in a position where they have to try to yeah. make a move too soon or, or anything like that. And it's, that's why that depth is so huge in the first place. But I'm happy for him. You know, I mean, I know what it's like to to struggle and, and be on that up and down and wondering if you got it and everything like that. It must be it, it must just feel great for him to be playing yeah. the way he is and feel like he's finally establishing himself as a big leaguer. And doing it here in Atlanta. In, you know, in Atlanta, too. Family and friends nearby. Be a little yeah. different than playing in Detroit, you know. A lot yeah. of support for him here. Yeah. Um, it gave him the first walk-off win. It also was a reprieve from, man, they have been dominated by the AL the last couple of years. It has yeah. been weird. Before that win, the Braves were 6-15 and 15 in interleague games since the beginning of last year. And here's the weird one. 1-10 one and 10 at Truist Park. That's hard to do, man, for a good a team that won the World Series. 1-9 and nine last year against American League teams at home. I don't, you know, I don't, these are the things that I just don't have any input on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's it, small it doesn't size, make sense. And they play a tough division, you know, in the AL. So, you know, it can happen. But, man, the, Boston has been a tough matchup for them in recent years. So the Yankees and the and the uh, Blue Jays just killed them last year. Remember, they killed them down in Florida when the games were in Dunedin. Yep. And that was where Darno got hurt. And they killed them up here. Yeah, and, you know, it, it makes sense sometimes before the dh yeah like maybe you're just not used to pitching to these real offensive heavy lineups but everybody's got it now and right the numbers you know i mean it's it's one of those things that i don't really have an answer for but it's not like it's a 
I look at this division and I'm like, there's not many divisions better regardless. I mean, I know that the AL East is, it's always power heavy, but I don't see any drastic difference. Even as a player, when I pitched in both leagues, if you make a good pitch, they're out, you know, that it's sometimes it's just the AL teams are more manufactured to put up those crooked numbers. Right. NL teams are more strategic, but now everybody's got a DH and everybody's built for power. So I don't, I don't have any reason for that. But last year they weren't. And that's a good point. The Braves did not weren't built for the DH last year. They'd had it right. the year before, and they got lucky and they had some they had some depth and they were able to do it. But last year they did not right. have a designated DH. They've shuffled a yeah. bunch of guys into that. And AL teams obviously do. They're built for the DH. So they have a guy specifically, yeah. or they have a couple. They wouldn't of guys even get their DH that. in the NL though, and they still kick their ass. You know, it's like yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of the reason for that. Yeah. Um, Matt Olson leads the majors in doubles with 14. He's tied for third in the NL with 17 extra base hits. That obviously means he's hit only three home runs for him. He hit 39, I think, last year, including led the majors in uh, home runs off lefties, lefties, lefties against lefties. Uh, a lot of these, I can think of like four or five at least that he's hit off the wall, and I think he's yep. a couple of feet away from having six or seven home runs. Yep. I think he's going to hit a rash of home runs here pretty quick. This swing looks good. Do you know what I was thinking as far as the balls go is it's almost like the the weather's a factor again. Yeah. I think the balls will start flying when it warms up. Whatever they're doing with the humidifiers and stuff, it's making the air grab the ball more. Um, but I think he's probably hit at least at least four that I've seen that I'm like, that was a homer last year. Yeah. Even some of his fly balls to the track, honestly. So he might have more. But I think once it warms up, I think he'll start – those balls will start carrying over. It's not like he's having bad at-bats. or I mean, he's yeah. even though his numbers haven't been great since he got off to the hot start, if you look at his overall numbers, they're right. still great. Right. And he uh, – the ball did carry a lot better, I thought, on this uh, – in the last couple of games here. Yeah. And because you saw some home runs that landed 10 rows deep that you thought were going to. They weren't going up and then coming straight down at the track like they were in the first few weeks yeah. of the season. So that might be a difference in the weather. Who knows? The way baseball tinkers with the ball, they might have told them to turn off the humidors in some places <laughs> until they figure things out, you know? So the seams might not be causing as much drag. Who knows? It sucks that you can't trust that. I still think I still think it had something to do with uh, Charlie Morton's start, the seams on the ball. Yeah. You know? If the seams are if it's if it's causing a different reaction and, and on balls hit, you know, way up in the air when they catch the drag, you gotta think a guy that throws breaking balls all the time, it's going to have some effect on breaking balls. Oh, for sure. You know, it's going to have an effect on how much you could spin the ball you know, and grip it, but it's also going to have an effect on how much those seams grip, mm-hmm. you know, while they're spinning toward the plate. So, um, I mean, it changes your whole starting point of every pitch. You know, if you're getting an extra six inches of break or missing yeah. six inches of break, I mean, that's a 12 inch, you know, that's like a foot. You have to gauge where to right. aim now and the difference of each pitch. So, and. It, it doesn't explain to me why they're able to take it because, it, it, you know, it's a lot of his breaking balls that are just a little off or, yeah. or you know, like a backdoor breaking ball that they don't swing at or the ones in the dirt. But it, it explains to me why he'd be a little off with his control. And it does. And it would explain why he could have the same spin rate, 3,100, mm-hmm. better than anybody else in the, you know, almost in baseball and have like 30 pitches over 3,000 spin rate. But it, it would explain why you could have the same spin rate and the ball not moving quite as much. He's not, it's not quite that huge bend that he had last year where guys just look silly swinging at, you know, pitch this far off the plate. He's not getting quite that much break I haven't seen this year. And that would would help explain it. Well, so guys had this theory. I played with a lot of guys, and it was always, you know, when you threw a breaking ball, you wanted four seams spinning. Mm -hmm. And then I played with Luke Luke Gregerson, and he threw a two-seam breaking ball, Uh which means what he lined up, he lined the spin up so that it was rotating on only two seams grabbing. So just the two horseshoes right. and the other four seams were here, right? Not grabbing. And he had a ridiculous slider. And, you know, right. I'd never been taught that. And I asked him about it and he said, I think it breaks later. So take that same, that same logic into Charlie's, uh-huh. Charlie's breaking ball might be breaking a little earlier, which earlier break, they're going to see a little better. Right. right? right. So right. it could be a bigger break. But a That's little sloppier. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is just me thinking, just yeah. trying to make sense of it. But yeah. if it's an if if it's an earlier break, the hitter has that little extra time to recognize that they could take it. You know, but when yeah. you have when you have the ball not gripping, but he puts yeah. so much spin on it, eventually it's gonna dip. 
that it's breaking later and closer to the plate, then he gets those swing and misses. I mean, that would make sense. These, these are because there's got to be a reason because people are looking yeah. for reasons why Charlie has not had the swing and miss that he had last year when he's throwing at the same velo, basically. I mean, maybe a mile an hour less, but yeah. the same for all intents. Same and spin, purposes. same still, velo, and still same spin rate. And it's yeah. not getting the chase. That would explain, you know, go a long way towards explaining it. I so. mean, that's kind of my thought on it is maybe the seams are gripping too much for him. So right. it's, it's like he's he's having it break more out of the zone. So it's not quite it's not in the zone quite as long to to, to engage him and, and get him to chase. And if it's breaking earlier, you know, like those seams yeah. spinning. If they're if I'm, it's crazy because you think like a centimeter wouldn't make a difference. Right. But if they're just that much bigger, it, it changes everything. Sure. So it could be, you know, this again, this is just me making shit up right. off the top of my head and trying to think through it. But it could be something to think about. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Going back to Arcia, I, I people that really didn't follow the Brewers much when he was up there, but he had some huge hits for the Brewers, including some postseason hits. I mean, they loved yeah. him up in, in Milwaukee. When he left, they were like, why'd we let this guy go? And he comes here and he's a bench guy. Remember, he spent like a, a month in AAA here before he even got called up. No more than mm-hmm. a month, like a couple months. And then they had some injuries that brought him up and they put him in the outfield because that's where they had a need last year before they made all the trades in July. So he had never really played. He played like one game in the outfield before they had him tr- play some in the minors so he could bring him up, kind of like Riley that year. Yeah. So, and quite honestly, I think he's better in the outfield than Marcelo Zuna because of the arm. Marcelo Zuna's arm's so bad. Um, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And RC is, he can handle it. RC looks fine out there. He's not great, but he's not bad. And he's got a good arm. So he's hitting 355 with a 432 OBP, 949 OPS. It's only 37 plate appearances. But as a DH, he's six for 14 with 1,080 OPS in four games. He's also started games at third. He's also played third and left field. Um, and here's at least curious. He's got a reverse splits this year. He's a righty. He's got nine for 18 with a double homer and a 13-13 OPS and 22 plate appearances against righties. Now, that's a small sample size. It could be a couple of pitchers that he just hits well. But that's some nice re- reverse splits. Last year, it was more normal and pretty extreme to the other side. So, um, I don't know. I'd be finding ways, while he's got a hot hand at least, to get him in the lineup a little bit more, especially while Ozuna has struggled so much. Now, Ozuna's still getting hitting balls hard, and I think he's going to come out of this. He's He's been hitting balls hard again lately. But I would be finding some ways to get Arcia in the lineup a little bit more. He's only starting one out of every three games. He started 10 games out of the 31 games, 32 games. You kind of have to, you know, when, when a guy – if it, and that's how you work your way into the lineup. You know, if, and and you ride it. If, when he starts to struggle, it's not like you can't right. take him out of it. Right. But anytime you got a guy swinging the bat really well, I mean, you just you have to find a way to to get that in there. Um, and you have a few guys that you could give a few more days off and just and just work him into that eight or nine spot in the lineup and just see what he does. But you know, he's never been he's never been known for his bat, but. To me, he has pretty decent at bats, and if he's not killing you in the field, what's it hurt to yeah. mix him in there a few times and, and give somebody that's you know in a three day slump give him a day off? And those resets, that's what I was talking about. You know, those resets are nice, even for yeah, even for a guy that you know there is no day off, but you just give him one and tell him just to shut your brain down for a day. It's also worth mentioning. Now, maybe that maybe the Braves are, are talking to Dan's about extension, but I haven't heard anything to that to that effect. And he's in the last year of a contract, which is usually when a guy gets this far, they go to free agency. I mean, that, that's the normal. Um, RC has signed a two year deal last year and he's really team friendly deal. He's making one six yeah. this year, 1.3 next year. And then there's a 2 million club option that only has a hundred thousand dollar buyout for 2024. He could always be, we've talked about what they could do in the future. If they want a bridge like Grissom, that top shortstop yeah. prospect, RC can play shortstop, man, well enough to be in the lineup every day if they need him to be. So yeah, and that's that's a possibility if they and, and I'm not I'm not trying to talk Dansby off the team because Dansby, you know, in a lot of ways he adds a lot to this team in a lot of ways, including that defense, obviously. But if they were looking, at, you know, it's not like the cupboard's bare if they didn't hit a bridge. They don't have to go out and get a guy and pay him fifteen million or twenty million. Well, it's hard to find that for one year, you right. know, if you have this guy that you don't want to block, but. 
Right. You know, I think it's tough to operate on not blocking prospects. I mean, you see so many come up and fail and then it's like, now what? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to have a guy like Arcia too, that, you know, you know, he's, he's accepted not being the guy, not yeah. being the starting everyday guy. So you can yeah. work someone else in and it's kind of a chance to give somebody a trial year with, if you have that prospect come up and you don't think he's ready and, and he's overwhelmed by the big leagues, you think it might be two or three more years. Yeah. You can find a decent shortstop on a two-year deal or three-year deal. It's hard to find a really good right. one for one. That option could be could be nice too for twenty twenty four because basically you have him for two more years if you want him at yeah. a really really affordable rate. And when it's that affordable, you know, once your guy's ready that you want to go to, yeah, it's not that big a deal to sit him. And in the interim, you can afford to pay a couple other guys that you might not have if you you're paying yeah. a you know Dansby fifteen twenty million next year. I'm always okay with having a shortstop hitting 240, 250 on the team playing great defense. Right. Um, RCI, after the walk-off, kind of asked him how you staying sharp, not playing much, you know, because he played a lot in the past. In, in the last couple of years, he's had to get to get used to a limited role. And he, he had a great answer. He said, you have to be prepared for any situation, whether you're playing or not. And if you're not playing, you have to be out there supporting your teammates, doing everything you can to contribute to the team. But like I said, it's all about preparation. It's about staying ready in the cage, getting your swings in, and being ready for whenever your number's called, like in any situation, like it happened tonight. I think that was another one of these. Uh, we're seeing some uh, carryover from uh, from uh, Kung Fu Panda last year. Yeah. Because he really taught a lot of guys, Latin guys especially, a lot of the secrets on how he stayed so sharp pinch hitting. Because remember, he was pinch hitter extraordinaire in the first couple of months of the season. He – save their asses so many games in the early in the season. And I think a lot of guys just being around him saw, oh, that's how you do it, huh? You go down there at this point of the game and get ready, take your swings and all that. So, Yep. And he learned from somebody else. You know, I mean, you yeah. just – those kind of things need to be passed on. Eric Kinski was great at that. You know, mm -hmm. when when guys would get demoted into some role they didn't want to be in, you know, your first tendency is to pout and complain about how hard it is and it's not about – you know, they realize it's not about them and everything's not catered to them anymore. And it's like, you know, seventh inning, all of a sudden we need you to hit. Yeah. And they've been twiddling their thumbs, pouting the whole game, and they go up and punch out. You know, it's it definitely takes a lot of mental strength and preparation. And it, you know, the hardest part is just never knowing when your moment's going to be. Yeah. And so you prepare for it today. It's like being a reliever, honestly. You prepare for it. You feel great. You're ready. And then the game rolls in a way that they don't need you. It's like, shit. So then you do it the next yeah. day. They don't need me. Shit. And so like day five, you're like, fuck, I'm not playing. Yeah. And that's when they call on you right. to to pinch right. hit. So it's it's really hard for guys to just always stay in that mode and stay ready when most of the time the opportunity doesn't come. And as soon as you let your guard down, that's when they need you and you have to be ready or, you know, you're probably going back to AAA or getting released. It's a tough spot to be in and a big yeah. adjustment. And he didn't know he was playing until he got to the ballpark. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> Maybe he went out and got hammered the night before. If I'm not yeah. playing tomorrow, and then they call your name, and that one game you get this week is you're at your absolute worst. He said, uh, "I wasn't sure if I was playing or not." He said, "It's the same either way, though. Whether I'm playing or not playing, I'm coming to the ballpark with that same enthusiasm, that same energy. And if I'm in the lineup, I'm going to apply 100% of my energy and effort into being in the lineup. And if I'm not, I'm going to put 100% of my energy and effort into supporting my teammates for the whole game." Yeah. So he's saying the right things, man. It's just so much easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought really big uh, of Ian Anderson to really recover from a rough start early in that game. He really so showed something. Ian on that on Orlando Arcia, by the way, he said, I, I think it's one of those situations where when he gets into there, in there, he wants to show something. So kind of a right place, right time. And he can get to a fastball. He showed it there. R.C. really can't hit fastballs, man. Yeah. It's hard to get one <laughs> yeah. past him. Uh, and on the walk-off, Ian said, it was exciting. I thought we played a good game, and for the, for it to kind of pay off like that in the ninth, Ozzy gets the hit, and for R.C. to walk it off, it's a good feeling. The guys are excited heading the off day, regroup a little bit, and we got a bunch of games coming up, so hopefully we can carry that over. Um, and also about Demerit and R.C. being kind of unsung heroes. Are they the kind of guy that could, could – uh, impact the team all season he said definitely they're great guys in the clubhouse they fit in good they're the kind of guys that every team needs that kind of spark plug they're more than capable of that and looking and i'm looking forward to seeing what they can do um what well, snit talking about rca said uh 
it's great because he hasn't been playing a lot. He started off the year getting a few at-bats. He hasn't lost his enthusiasm and his work and the energy and everything. He's he's a good player. He's got a hit off the closer for the Mets the other day in a pinch hit roll. That was his one pinch hit at-bat this year. And he said, I'm happy for him. Um, and that walk-off win, Snit said, I didn't say I didn't say anything, because, but I was thinking we haven't had one of these yet, a walk-off yeah. win. So, yeah, absolutely, it helps a lot. For everything that you put into a game like that, to come out with a win, especially like that, it means a lot. Yeah, and those are, you know, th- those are the things, too, that they remember that in July when you're struggling. Yeah. And you have to fill in two games and you go 0 for 4 and everybody's like, why is this guy on the team? Well, they've been watching him work and stay ready all year, but they still know how hard it is. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's you put anybody in that role, they, they're coming in and going 0 for 4 once in a while because it's, it's just so hard to do. But that that's part of the stuff that you know. That's why you get a ring, even if you're released in July, for this yeah, right. this walk off he just hit, or or staying right. prepared and doing this stuff and showing guys like it has an effect on the team. Yeah, like Kung Fu Panda last year. Did he get a ring? I got asked if he get a ring. Of course he got a ring. Yeah, you know? he got a ring. Even if he hadn't done anything in those bats, he would have got a ring for playing. But he had huge impact on the team early on. Well, and if they don't win those games, he helped them win. Yep. Those four or five, and and now you're looking at it, and you're down nine instead of five, or wherever right. you're at when you start that hot streak. It's even a bigger gap to climb out of, and every game counts. And you might not even have made those moves in July if you'd have been that Ten far back. back, you know? Right. Um, Ian Anderson, I was talking about him. I thought he really, because it looked kind of in the second inning, you're like, oh, here we go again. He gave up a bomb to Trevor Story. The first yeah. homer Trevor's hit this year, but it's straight center. I mean, it was a shot. Um so he gives up two run over. They're down 2-0 in the second inning. And we've seen this all year when they get behind like that. Like I said, they've been they haven't been able to come back. Then he gives up another run in the third on a double and a JD Martinez single. Rafael Devers just killed him. He had a double and then then JD Martinez single to get so they're down 3-0. But after that, he was really sharp. I thought Ian was really impressive after that. So he ends up going five and a third, didn't give up any more runs, gave up seven hits total, just one walk, which is big because he had, you know, he's had a couple of four walk games. And gave the team a chance, and they come back and 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 that's what that that has been their key in recent years is yep. hold it there. And then the bullpen was locked down. McHugh came in, bases loaded, man, got a huge couple of outs. I thought that was a he got a benefit of a low strike call because that was out of the zone, but that was yep. huge, man. Paulecki got thrown out. Cora gets thrown out for argument, and they had an argument. But you know, you're going to get some calls like that go against you, and some calls go for you. But I thought McHugh was huge in that, and everybody that came in after him, too. That was big bullpen performance. Uh, that's another reason why it's so important to get these comeback wins is, you know, if you never want to you never want to admit you think about whether we're winning the game or not or if we can get back in this, but when you've seen your team do it, yeah, it's that much more motivating to lock back in when your starts – his start wasn't a wash when he gave up three, but if you're giving up four or five, it's, it's hard to, you know – Really good team guys will just be like, yeah. I got to I gotta keep it at four. I got to keep it at five. But a lot of guys will just throw in the towel. And when you know your team can get back in it, each guy coming in for the starter, too, thinks, if I keep it at three, we're winning this game. Or if I keep it at two, we're winning this game. But when you never come back, yeah. it's kind right, of like, right, right. What's the you point? And, 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 you know, you talked about, you answered a reader uh, on the on the room that we did last week. Somebody was asking about why didn't they use Kenley and Will Smith, you know? And I said, "You're not going to use your pitch the next down. day." Will Smith. What if out if Will Smith they pitched two down and thrown twenty five pitches in that game? If he'd yep. thrown twenty five pitches, he probably would not have used them the next day. Right. He pitched his ass off in this game. So did Mentor, and then Kenley came in and did his thing. So the bullpen was locked down when they had a chance to win this thing, and they did, and they pulled it out, you know, with a with a with a walk off. So. Yeah, you know. that's why it's so hard to manage because you always have to think that you know what if Will Smith has a even even when it's like it's it's touchy to get a guy an inning of work because what if it turns into a thirty two pitch inning of work? Yeah, and now we don't have him today, right. and and we're down one or we're tied in the eighth. You know that that's why it's I don't understand it because Smith's won four straight uh, division titles in a World Series. Yeah, but he just All the gets questioning. The questioning of his bullpen management in a vacuum, you know, today's yeah. decision without thinking about, you know, tomorrow, the next day, the day before, what guys are being used. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me anybody that criticizes Snit actually goes back and looks at the game log and is like, oh, Smith pitched three out of four. Right. He needs a day off or or if he pitches today, he's down tomorrow. But Snit has to juggle all that all year long. And I just I don't understand. Right. I mean, it keeps working. They've kept winning. 
how he gets so much criticism. I think it's just the nature of it. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. You as a reliever know that the worst are uh, the most inaccurate second guessing that people is do bullpen. is bullpen management. Yeah. And the reason being simple, we, even the, even the media, we don't know everything that's going on in the bullpen. Yeah, There's a lot of times a guy might have a little soreness. He might get up to warm up and feels a little soreness. You know, he might get up and feel a twinge, or he might have got up two times earlier in the game and warmed up, or he might have warmed up three times the night before and be unavailable, and the manager's not going to say before the game, usually. If you ask him, a lot of times they'll be honest and say, oh, he's not available, he's not available. If you don't ask him, they're not going to offer that. So, in other words, there's a lot of things that go into bullpen management that we never see watching a game on TV at all. And so, so that's why people should never second guess bullpen management without knowing what's going on. I mean, some guy might be dealing with something at home, and he might have just told the guy, "Look, if if we don't need him tonight, I'd really rather just take it chill because if I, you know." Something happened. This happened. My kid's sick. And, my, you know, I was up all night last night. So if you don't have to use me, if, I, if you need me, I can. But if not, there might there's all kinds of stuff that goes on that we don't know well, about. You, you know how many times when I was playing there, my back was a little flared up and yep. I wasn't going to pitch that night. But my situation never came up and you guys never found out. Right. You know, it's like right. the only time you answer that question and say, no, he was down today was when my situation would come up. Right. And, you know, you bring in Mike Dunn or somebody, the guy behind me instead, and you guys go ask Snit and now they have to tell you. Right. But but there's stuff all year long where a guy's down or not available and his spot doesn't come up and it just it's just slid right under the rug. Nobody finds out. And that stuff's going on all year long. You know, so and so shoulders. We're going to try to stay away from them. Mm -hmm. And and that's the situation. Like, I'm not going to throw him down, too. If it's if it's we're up one and base is loaded. All right. I got to use Matzik here but I'm trying not to use them. And there's a lot of those situations where it make perfect sense to keep it at one or two runs, but we're trying to stay away from this guy and we need somebody else to step up. And that was the thing. I, you know, when my back would flare up, there'd be three days where I wouldn't pitch and my situation didn't come up and then I'd yeah. work through it. And it never got out that, that I was dealing with something at that time. Yeah. But every time that it'd, it'd be the situation where Ryan Howard's coming up in the seventh or eighth and somebody else has to pitch. Now it's like, okay, that guy should have been in there. Why isn't he? And then the manager has to, you know, because the manager's not going to just be like, oh, my gut told me yeah, this guy was exactly. the right guy and make bullshit up. Now he's going to tell you he, he was bad. down today. Yeah, so he doesn't, you know, but that's how it always seems to come out is right. there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes or guys you're trying to stay away from that if that situation where that guy would definitely pitch doesn't come up, yeah. it, it never makes its way out there. I learned that early on because a couple of times people wrote stuff and then I had a manager tell me, why did so-and-so write this? This guy, and he told me why I didn't use him. This guy's got yep. this stuff going on at home. Or this guy's got the show. I'm not going to bring him in if I don't have to use him. Yeah. This The next two weeks, we don't want to use him if we don't have to. If we need to, we will. But we don't want to use him. And you know, and so, But people don't just assume that everybody's available yeah. in every yeah. situation. Yep. And that's a terrible assumption to make. And, and some of the managers with less gravitas or less uh, – uh, less security, trying to, to win every single game. Yep. They might put some guy in that they didn't plan to use. You know, they might be down a run or they might be up a run and they weren't going to use this guy, but they're up a run and they're, oh, we've got to win this game. So they use a guy not with the big picture in mind. You know, Freddie Gonzalez is trying to save his job, you know, yep. and they might make some open decisions that they would not have made if they have job security. You know, and then you, your players don't trust you. Right. You told me I wasn't pitching today and right. I was the first guy out of the pen. You got desperate. You're listening to the fans or you're listening, you're worried about your yeah. job. And a guy yeah. like Bobby Cox had so much gravitas. He knew he was not gonna get fired. He's yeah. gonna make whatever bullpen decisions he wants to make, regardless. You know, and Snit Snit doesn't maybe Snit's, doesn't have that gravitas, even though he should pretty at this close point. Now. Yeah, now but he doesn't give a shit. I mean right after winning the World Series, he's pretty yeah, damn close to having it. You know, and that's it's it's just funny. I mean, it's because you also be like, well, he's had three days off. He's fresh, right? Well, why has he had three days off? You know, he because he's 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 nursing something, right? And it, you know, there's always something going on behind the scenes. You got to think about tomorrow. You have to think about how much you rode him last week, and then you got him hot twice the last two days. Even though he didn't pitch, the guy's thrown two hundred pitches off the mound in the last seven days. 
you know, I need to give him a break and I can't use him down 2-0, yeah. even though obviously it makes sense to use him there. And you had, uh, or they say, you had an off day Monday and you have another Thursday. Well, maybe they had the off day Monday, so they want to give him Tuesday to have two days to recover completely yeah. from whatever's, you know, soreness. So are they off yeah. day Thursday so you don't use a guy Wednesday that you might have used? You want to give him two days. So yeah. a lot of things go in. Long story short, there's a lot of things that go into this, and you try to explain that to folks. And it's not it's not, it's not, not that they don't know what they're talking about. It's just they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes because even we don't know, and we're there every day talking to the manager. But if you don't ask specifically about every guy, the manager's not going to offer that usually. They're not going to go, by the way, tonight this guy's not available and this guy's not available. And then after the game, they're not going to go, he wasn't available because they don't want to throw guys under the bus. You know, they don't want to make a guy look like he's, you know, complaining about the sore arm or whatever. Right. And the same thing goes for a pinch hitter. Say you got Harper on the bench that day. Right. If the other team knows, you know, that he's not available, Minter and Matzik are down, he's going to save Harper for the eighth inning to, hit, to pinch hit. Right. But if he knows Minter and Matzik are available that day, he might burn him in the fifth or sixth in, in a situation that doesn't seem like the best time for him. Right. And you're going to get questioned, why did you pinch hit Harper there? And it's like, well, if I pinch hit him in the eighth, he's facing Matzik. Right. You know, where he, he's probably an automatic out if, if Matzik's locked in. You know, so there's always so much going on that yeah. you don't want to tip your hand and say, yeah, Matzik's down today, you know, because you, you, you want them to burn him early and do things like that. Absolutely. So, it's really, you know, it's the hardest part of managing is 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 managing the bullpen and yeah. It's the easiest to criticize. And that's why I like Bochi. He's a legendary manager because he was so good at managing the bullpen, you know. And he sets you up to bring the guy in, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what a manager's trying to do is set you up to get Minter or or Matzik against Harper. Yeah. versus, you know, Thornburg or something that might not be as good a matchup for him. Um Ask Snit whether, you know, a win like that can kind of turn around the mojo that's kind of spinning their wheels lately. And he said, you never know. I mean, you get two or three good starts after this one, and it sure can. But you just never know when you're going to look back on a game, a big win, and go, that's the one that got you going. And that's happened before also. We saw that happen last year. St. Louis, you talked about that sweep. That was when things started turning. Then at the end, when it got to San Diego – and and uh, Will Smith has that incredible bases loaded escape act. Yep. That was when you felt like, okay, this team can beat anybody in any venue, and they go, that gave them all that momentum. They go home and finish the Phillies off, win the division, clinch the division, going with all the momentum in the world after winning the division yep. in the postseason, feeling like they could kill, they could beat anybody. Yeah, and that's you know that's another reason not to really panic early on is that. The, the, None of it matters. You know, I mean, right. you just, you stay in the fight and if you can get hot going into the postseason, and, and yeah. if, if you're three down in July, nobody remembers. If you're five back in August, you know, as long as you get back in it, nobody remembers. Yeah. But if you can go, get hot at the right time, which they did last year, yeah. you can ride it all the way to the World Series. And that's why players don't panic. And you just, you know, you operate on the mindset. We just got to get our foot in the door. Yeah. And they're, they're definitely in striking distance, especially with the wild card. I mean, you know, I think they're definitely aiming to win the division again, but there's yeah. always the wild card. So yeah. you aim for the division and then that's a fallback. But as long as you stay with the Mets, they're probably going to drag a team into the wild card, you know? Yeah. So yeah, nobody remembers to your point. Nobody remembers what happened before the all-star break last year, except Acuna got hurt after having an yeah. MVP type start. Freddie struggled mightily at the first of the season and then caught fire. And Austin Riley didn't have an RBI in like the first 15 games or an extra base hit. And look at and he yeah. had an MVP type season. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't, we talk about it all the time. I mean, we're watching these games and analyzing them, and I don't remember any of that. Yeah. I remember, I remember, them I don't remember because I was writing it, you know? Yeah. And I've gone back and looked, but I mean, people forget how bad Freed was early last year. He was terrible. He had two mm-hmm. stints on the IL with the groin. Yeah. And a blister. And you're going, oh, man, Freed, that was his best season the year before. Now we're getting back to being Max Freed. Yep. And then he has, once he got it straightened out and got yep. got his delivery down again, his directional and all that, he was the best pitcher in the majors in the second half. And that's the beauty of a major league season is you have so much yeah. time to figure it out and, and for things to click. Yeah. So um, the other thing I, want, I wanted to real quick ask, if you paid attention to uh, – Jackson Stevens, because I got a chance to talk to him the other day and did a story on him. 
Man, what a refreshing guy to talk to. It's always cool when you when you get a guy like him or Matzik. I remember talking to Matzik about his story. You feel so good for him because they they're like guys who have gone through some serious shit where it looked like their careers were over, and they persevered. And usually there's somebody behind the scenes that helped them persevere. And mm-hmm. in both their cases, Matzik and Jackson Stevens, it was the wife. Uh, uh, Matzik had the yips, was out of baseball altogether for a couple of or for a full year. And out of the majors for five years, was pitching in indie ball for two years. When he was out of baseball altogether and living at home with his wife in California, his wife is the one who said, Don't give it up yet. You're too young. You gotta keep you gotta try at least. That's why he did yeah. it. Well, Jack Jackson Stevens the same way. He was he was in a he got bit by the COVID uh situation in that uh he had got DFA'd by the Reds at the end of 2019, which is the worst time that anybody could get DFA'd by anybody. Yeah. Because then in 2020, he's waiting for a phone call, right, in the offseason. And yeah. COVID hits in the middle of spring training, shuts down spring training when he might have got a call from somebody, you know, at least a minor league yeah. deal going in the season. So there's no minor league season. So teams aren't calling anybody for those. They're using their own guys, their minor league prospects at the alternate site and their fringe guys. But they're not adding guys to the minor league rosters. Right. Um, so he sits out an entire year. After pitching a little bit in the big leagues with the Reds in eighteen and seventeen and eighteen, and pitching all year in twenty nineteen, Triple A and just having a mediocre year, sits out all year in twenty twenty, twenty. So he's forgotten by by for all intents and purposes. He hadn't pitched in the big leagues in two years. He's waiting again by the phone that winter. Gets no calls from big league teams. Only call he gets is from a Mexican league team. <laughs> now, if you've pitched in the big leagues a couple of years, you're in your mid late twenties. That's when you have to go, all right, you're married, but they don't have kids, which worked out for them because that would have been a lot harder, I think. So much better. Right. You don't have kids, but, you know, that's when you're going, do I really want to go down and pitch? You don't speak Spanish, you know? Do I want to go down and pitch in, in a Mexican independent league? That was the only call he got, and he wasn't going to do it. He's a small-town Alabama guy, you know? He's never been outside the country except for, uh, like, a week vacation with his family. You know, he, and his wife is the one that said, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. You're too young still. And you're too, you you're still too much talent. You haven't been hurt. You haven't had TJ surgery. Give it a shot. At least she's the only reason that he did it. And he went down there, pitched in Mexico, pitched well enough, had a really high strikeout rate. The ERA didn't really matter because that's a hitter's league. Um, big strikeout to walks rate, like the best he'd had in his career. Pitched well enough that yepe, yepe. With the Braves, the bullpen catcher, Yepes is the, we call him Yepi. He's the bullpen catcher. He is a GM of a Venezuelan winter league team. Charlie, anybody even knows if they're not in the bullpen, but he's done it for like seven years. Well, he got some videos sent to him going, Hey, this guy's, this guy's pretty good. You can probably help you. Yepes, Yepi signed him to come down to Venezuela, talk to him. He said, I can help you out with speaking the language, all that stuff. And one of their catchers was William Contreras who the Braves sent down there to get more at-bats after he didn't get a lot of bats last year. So he goes down there. Long story short, he's the Venezuelan pitcher of the year. And he, he was a starter uh, after making like three bullpen appearances. They put him in the rotation. Pitched great. Had like a mid-one ERA, good strikeout-to-walks ratio. And Yepes, Yepi, tells tells AA, hey, this guy could help us. We could put him in double-A, triple-A, have a slot ready, you know, in case he's needed at some point. The Braves give him a shot, sign him to a minor league deal, no major league uh, spring training invite. Benefited by having uh, the lockout because he can go to minor league camp when the major Mm -hmm. league pitchers are not doing anything. He goes to minor league camp, pitches really well in a triple-A minor league game. Then the lockout ends. The Braves needed, remember they started Bryce Elder in their first grade for the league game because they needed guys who'd been pitching. The camp had only been open like three days, so the major league guys, they didn't want to use yet that early. So they go. They let Jackson Stevens pitch in the second game. Gave up a couple runs, but again impressed. And Snit had seen him in that AAA minor league game too, and in the in the big league game. So when uh, when uh, uh, your guy that your reliever that we both liked a lot, but struggled early, and they DFA'd him in the first week. Webb Webb got DFA'd the first week. They call him up. So at the end of the first week, they add him to the major league roster, and he comes in a big league team. Gives up a couple of runs. He pitches that night as cleanup duty. He pitches like three, two, three innings and gave up a couple of runs. But since then, this guy has pitched his ass off. And everybody yep. in the pen is like, Darren O'Day's like, I don't even know how he was over there that long because this guy can make the ball move any way he wants to make it move. And Colin McHugh, 
also pitched in Venezuela like eight years ago and had the same thing happen to him. He said, I pitched down there like three weeks and it was a springboard. Then Houston signed him and he had his breakout season with Houston in the rotation. So he said, I know what that's like, man, to go down there and pitch, be in a foreign country, not know anybody, but it's like you're at the bottom and you realize as, as Jackson Stevens said, I realized my back's against the wall. He goes, he goes, it's not like I didn't take it, want to take advantage of the opportunity with the Reds because I pitched my butt off and tried to be the best pitcher I could, but my back wasn't against the wall. Here, I felt like my back was against the wall. He came in and signed a minor league deal with the Braves. He was thrilled because he pulled up, he grew up pulling for them. So a small town in Alabama, Oxford, Alabama. So the Braves gave him a chance. He felt like this is it. This is my last chance. I need to make the most of it, you know, and this guy's pitched great and he's worked his way mm-hmm. up into a more prominent role. And now the Braves are really relying on him and he's got really good stuff too. I mean, he's out there, he's pitching. He's not like a guy that's just getting no, by he, on guile. He's pitching. Yeah, I, I admire it so much because it's, it's a big ego hit, you know, and it was something that probably would have been toward the end of my career. The thing I needed was to go pitch in an easier league yeah, and, and find myself again. But I've kept making major league rosters and I, you know, I needed to ditch the sinker. I need to start throwing four seams because the game had changed, but I couldn't swallow my pride and go put on a triple A uniform. Yeah. You know, and, and I admire guys that are willing to do that. Swallow your pride and go play the damn game again and, and figure yourself out at this lower level. Um, and it's, I mean, you in the Mexican league and you, you think of yourself as this big leaguer and, and, and yeah. I'm, you know, that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And you're in the Mexican league. I don't know what it's like down there, but I guarantee they're not f- f- getting private planes. Oh my God. You know, they're not, they're not chartering a jet. They're probably riding in some shitty bus. Oh yeah. And you know, so you have to, the guys that are willing to do that and it pays off, I couldn't be happier for because a lot of guys with big league time aren't willing to do it. And it's yeah. it's kind of what you have to do and go through to one appreciate the major leagues again and appreciate your opportunity, but to also go down there and get better and pitch against a little easier hitting, yeah, where you can get away with some mistakes and fine tune some things and, and get better. And you know, for me at, at that point in my career, I was mentally just burnt out from injuries and stuff like that. But I look back still to this day. I look back and I'm like, you know what? What if you would have just swallowed your pride? Yeah, and and. I could have played another five years, you know, but I wasn't willing to do it. Now I'm doing a podcast, <laughs> you know? So the guys that, that, that are willing to do that and, yeah. and it works out for them, they swallow their pride, they go down and, and just figure it out. And, and they have that fight in them. Yeah. I really admire. He, uh, he had a four, nine, eight ERA in Mexico, 12 games, 11 starts, but somebody told me, don't be, don't, that ego or the uh, ERA doesn't mean that much because it is a hitter's league, kind of like that, like, uh, like the PCL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Small ballparks, low humidity, some altitude. Um, but get this I didn't even know this team existed that he pitched for. He pitched for a team called Dos Laredos. And you know why they're called Dos Laredos? Because they, they play their games. At two different places, one in Mexico, <laughs> a Laredo over there. It's called something. Um, I wrote the name. It's called Laredo uh, something uh, Mexican name over there. And Laredo, Texas. They play in two stadiums. They're the only bi-national team in pro baseball or in any level baseball. Ugh. So he got to live in Laredo, but all the other games are in Mexico except for the well, Laredo nice. team. Right. But they're traveling all over the uh, Mexico in, in buses and, you know, crappy ballparks and stuff. And uh, so he had 69 strikeouts and 16 walks and 65 innings in Mexico. It was the highest strikeout rate of, since he'd had since rookie ball in 2012 when he was when he was three months out of high school because he got drafted out of high school. 18th round pick out of high school. But Jose Yepes, yeah. Braves bullpen catcher, got some film of him. He's Jose Yepes is with Cardinals de Lara in uh, the Cardinals in Venezuela. Pretty big team down there. Uh, they play in Barquis. Amento, Barquisimeto, Venezuela. And uh, I asked I asked uh, Jackson what that was like. And he said, he goes, well, I lived in a hotel that was attached to a mall. He goes, I never went anywhere except the ballpark and the hotel. And I'd go over and eat in the food court every meal. And I'd sit there alone eating. And people would walk yep. by and look at me and go, he's not from here. Because he's got yeah. this big beard. What is beard. this big? <laughs> yeah, big bearded <laughs> Alabama doing? boy with a gut, yeah. you know. And he's yeah. over there eating in the in, eating in the food court. knew enough He knew enough Spanish to order his food, and that was it. But he said, like yeah. he went, they went into a Mexican restaurant when he first got there, and he went in and ordered uh, queso. 
And they're like, what the hell is queso? <laughs> and they go, dude, we don't order that here. That's American Mexican yeah. food. And he goes, okay, uh, salsa? They go, yeah, we got that. <laughs> just, yeah. Well, but, yeah. I, I just think like, you know, it's the, that's what I'm saying. Swallow your pride because you're going from you have these clubbies washing your cars yeah. for you and bringing you food and you're flying on these private jets. You're getting paid all this money. And now you're playing for Dos Laredo ordering salsa yeah. at a mall. You know, I mean, you have to put you you really have to put your ego aside and just wear it, grind through it. And I, I'm glad he did. You know, I'm always happy for these guys that it works for. 14 games in Venezuela, including nine starts. He had a 1.82 ERA, 44 strikeouts, 10 walks, and 49 innings. And the thing is, in Venezuela, you're pitching against some guys that have been in the big leagues and some guys that are savvy hitters. A lot of guys that will play a little bit in the big leagues, and they'll go down to those uh, uh, winter leagues and play for another 15 years. They might be 40 years old and have a gut, but they can hit still. Yeah. Yeah, you know? they, can, they don't have any range in the outfield, and they don't right. care down there. Just they can hit, bombs. hit. They just hit. They still yep. rake. So you got to be able to pitch down there. And that's what uh, that's what uh, Jose Yepes said. Yepes said, I've had so many guys come down there, think American it's be guys, easy. and he goes, and they can't pitch. They think they can come out, and they can't pitch because you got to be able to pitch down there. And that's why he really impressed him. And, he's, and he called AA. He called Alex and said, this guy can help us. He just didn't know it was going to be that soon. You know? Right. So, yeah, he comes in, and, he's, and he gave up uh, – he gave up, let's see, against uh, the Mets in that first appearance. His first two appearances, he gave up three runs. And since then, nothing. He's uh, He just turned 28 Wednesday, by the way. That's cool. Good for him. Yeah, he, he's – he's he, the Braves have done that now twice in three years, have come up with a guy like that, like from indie ball. In Matzik's case, it was a, you know – a nothing league down in Texas where he'd been for the second year. So that's good scouting when you got a good kid and having good tips and good, good connections to people, you know? And yep, he was a catcher. So, you know, he's going to know he can, he can watch a bullpen and know if a guy's got good stuff or not. And he probably jumped in and caught him. You know, that's, that's one of the benefits of right, being a right, former catcher. Right. right. I had no idea that yep. had been doing that for seven years. Oh, he's yep. He's the man. What a winter ball job. What a winter job, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yep, he's the man. So, anyway, that's uh, that story is not at the Athletic. You guys should look at it. The guy's a really likable dude. He's uh, And he can thank Brittany Stevens, his wife. She's a neonatal intensive care unit nurse in Birmingham. And she's the one that said, do it. You're going to regret it if you don't give it another try. Otherwise, I said, what would you be doing right now? Coaching or something? Because I don't know, man. Running a hidden, running a, a school, a baseball school, or coaching at my old high. I don't I have no idea. Because <laughs> he went out of high school. He was drafted out of high school, no college, you know? Well, it's tough. You get out in the real world, you realize, you know, even for me, it's like I don't have any life skills. I don't have any way to make money <laughs> now. Podcasting that I'm, skills. That's all I got. <laughs> even basic stuff, like learning Fortunately, how to Fortunately, you made a little money. Yeah, you didn't make anybody, I'm, I'm you know? good, but yeah, it's a that. But that's another reason why guys go down there because you can go down to Venezuela and make twenty grand a month, right? Right. You know, if you're a minor league up and down guy, uh, yeah. you made maybe a hundred grand, kind of bouncing between, and then you go down to Venezuela and make forty in two months, right? So a lot so, of guys do it just for the money. So now he's making you know millions and millions less than than the other guys in that bullpen, but he's making over six hundred grand, and for a yeah. guy that would have been out of baseball. That's damn You're not good making money, that man. anywhere else. <laughs> no, like, and and, and first class travel and not needing any money during the season, really. You know, you get done playing and you start poking around at jobs and right. You know, you're used to getting a forty thousand dollar check right. every two weeks, and somebody offers you fifty for the whole year. It's like, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little different so, out here. It's nice when you got a, a wife with a good job too. You know, that can tell yeah. you, go down there. I got, I can take care of it here until you get back. Well, that's huge. Yeah. So and anyway. no kids. All right. Well. Another big series for the Braves this weekend. Got the Padres, man. Padres in town. I wish Tatis was playing. We don't get to see Tatis Acuna once again. But uh, the Padres are playing good ball, though. They got a good team. Yeah. Machado's playing great. There's going to be some strikeouts tonight. Freed and Darvish. Yeah, what a good matchup. Yeah. And then we got Sunday, dude. Something I never thought I'd see in the big leagues. We got an AM game. Other than the the uh, Boston, you know, the connected to the marathon. The, the game they play every year. Um, 11.30? 11.30 start. It was one thirty. 
Nope, Peacock. They're doing it for Peacock Network. They're killing some games this year. Those guys are going to be so Peacock, mad. Why Peacock wanted to start games at 11.30 on a Sunday, I have no idea. But they apparently think that that's what they need to do. But, I mean, 11.30 on a Sunday. You do it in the minor leagues. They yep. have kids day. Right. Or, or like a weekday, they'll let all the kids out of school, and it's like a 10 a.m. game. Yeah. You're not even awake till the fourth inning. So some of the younger guys that have been in the minors in recent years might They'll might do have better. done that, <laughs> might have done that. But some of the veterans are going to be like, "What? They don't even <laughs> start spring training games before one." Who's pitching? Um. Oh, it's a good matchup. Oh, That's Kyle's Kyle pitching. That's yeah, he's, he's spent some time in the bushes the last few yeah. years, so he oh, might yeah. be able to handle it. Oh, he's played some of those games for sure. He's yeah. the best guy to probably do that if you're going to have yeah. one of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, he's played a few of those. So that's going to be interesting. Got a four o'clock game Saturday, then a then a <laughs> ten. To, man, it's not like it used to be where you could just look and count on every game starting at the same time every night. The Braves had they had a stretch recently where they played like eight straight games at eight different, different times. times. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. So anyway, they got the three games here, and then you got a then you got a tough road trip, man. You go to Milwaukee and you go to Miami, and the Marlins ain't messing around. They're right there with the Braves. Hell Miami's of a just a, staff. Like Milwaukee, I get it. You know, they've had some pretty good teams the last few years. The hitters park is a tough place to play, but the Marlins could be 0 and 40 right now. And yeah. It, and they give going, the price fits. Going to Miami for whatever reason that yeah. you know, it's not as much of a clown ball park as it used to be. But when you had like the the Clevelanders just blasting music right. in left field, there's six fans in the stadium and they got that dance crew just going ape shit the whole game. I tell you what, it's still very different. It's still it not many people different... there at all. They play the music really loud and it rattles off that roof when it's closed. <laughs> it's a weird place. It's a totally unusual environment. And yeah, it's different. It's you, different. Know, you never know how you're going to play or what you're going to get there. It's one of those ones you just kind of get through. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It's where Acuna is going back for the first time since he hurt his knee there. So it's going to be Acuna and Chisholm. To me, the two most, I said this, I tweeted this the other day, the two most dynamic players in the division. And I know we got Soto in the division and Bryce Harper and Soto's probably maybe the best pure hitter, all around hitter in baseball. But I will take Chisholm and Acuna for dynamic guys to watch. If I was paying for season tickets, those two guys are as good as it gets, man. I Chisholm just don't know is, how Chisholm has so much power. He's oh not my a very God. big guy. He reminds me so much of Alfonso Soriano. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comp for the power and That's body. the guy. The wiry body. And Soriano yeah. had the 30-30 season. Remember, he was hitting bombs. Opposite field. Yeah. How about the 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 home run that uh Chisholm hit at Arizona the other day? I couldn't believe it. To the left of center line drive. It was this far off the ground. That's what I mean. You know, it's that guy's it's, phenomenal. That's a ball that Adam Dunn hits. You know, a guy that's 6'5", 240. Not a guy that's – I think he's probably 6'180". Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal. He's so talented. He's got so much bounce. You know who he reminds me of, too? Go out of baseball. John Morant. Mm. The way he moves, just bounces. It's just – he's like 160 pounds of fast-twitch muscles, you know? And and he's got a great arm. He can play the field, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, between him and Acuna, man, those are two guys that if I wasn't covering the sport, those are two guys I would love to have season tickets to watch because you don't even know. They're going to do something every night. Do you know what else is funny? It's like, you know, you, you're getting older and the game's been a certain way for so long. And, you know, Chisholm always has this pink hair. Or blue yeah, hair blue or hair, crazy. pink hair. Yeah. My son's got his baseball card and they went crazy. Oh, yeah. They love him. Like kids kids love these kids guys. Love so that, they love that's the why. small guys, too. Yeah, exactly. They can like identify with somebody, but that—that's why it's like you know my perspective totally shifted on all this old school, new yeah. school stuff since I had kids. Because you know they pulled a Mike Trout and they just looked at it like, "Is this guy good, Dad?" Right. Then they got the guy with the pink hair and they just right. lost it. Like I can't believe I got this card. Well, I'm <laughs> old man, and I look at it and I would rather watch. Seriously, yeah. I know I know Trout is the best all around player. Probably still, he's having a great year too. He's having the year yeah. we talked about. It, he's going to have. Yeah. He's having yeah. it. I, if I was going to pay, I would pay to see Acuna. And Chisholm before Trout, Trout. And Soto. Yeah. Before Trout. And Trout is great. But Chisholm is so dynamic, man. Yeah. And he's so flamboyant and the char- charisma. Yeah. And I'm I, and I love watching it, man. I, yeah, mean, I, I love watching it. That's the battle for MLB, you know. It's like these guys that have all these mannerisms now, yeah. but they're trying to appeal to kids. I and, love watching him. And, yeah. and it'd be different if he wasn't as talented as he is, but he's legitimate. Like if he was a boring <laughs> like player. If he was, your Donnie Valdespin, remember right. him? <laughs> right. If he just played totally boring vanilla, 
just yeah. what he does would still be incredible because right. look at his numbers. He's a great player. But yeah. when you add all the Euro step at the end of every home yeah. run and the hair and just the talking yeah. track, I love him. I love this it's, guy. It, it's hard for me, but I gotta, I gotta admit it. Him and Acuna, in a man. way, it's good for the game. Yeah, and the clo- you wouldn't want everybody doing that. You wouldn't want everybody wearing a clothes. Well, like you wouldn't want all the Braves wearing all the yellow that Acuna well, does because it wouldn't look right. That's where we're headed, though. It's going to turn but into baseball. It looks baseball. great on Acuna. <laughs> well, if you could be one of the best five players in a game, like Acuna, wear whatever the yeah. hell you want. But at if least you're just be good, a, if you're going to do that stuff. But if you're at an average player, yeah. Calm then, down. <laughs> then just dress with a uniform on. We don't need any black cleats. Accessories. Show up on time. <laughs> yeah, we don't need accessories from you. Yeah. yeah, we don't need accessories. Leave that for the great players. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I all agree. right. All right, we'll that's it. it. Seven fifty-five is real. We'll talk to you guys next week early. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.